1: Before sunrise on a mild summer morning in June 1995, a 27-year-old television news anchor named Jody Husentrout hurriedly left her apartment in Mason City, Iowa, headed for work. But she never arrived, and her disappearance has never been solved. In 2003. Two television news reporters created FindJody.com, a website dedicated to preserving Jody's memory and keeping her case alive. This is the official Find Jody podcast. All right, Caroline, so a week ago, over a week ago on Monday... Uh, week ago today the 27th Yeah, as we record this we were in mason city for the 27th remembrance event for jody sort of a combined memorial and advocating for her case at the same time in front of kimt now that we've had a couple of days to decompress and kind of process where are you at what does it mean to your perspective now
2: one of the things I kept processing when I was there as I looked at the photo board, I'd worked on that photo board for about a month, getting photos from Jody 's family, her good friends, her college friends, and trying to put represent 27 years of Jody 's life, which with about sixty photos, and then thinking there's another board that's blank in life the 27 years of memories not made, photos not taken. And that just really struck me of just how long jody has been gone, how long her family, her friends, the community and beyond have waited for answers. Being there in person and hearing her, her college friends, Amy, Beth and Katie, and then her friend from Long Prairie Candy share their stories really brought Jody to life again.
3: Jody, being able to live with her, we realized how she got everything done. She didn't sleep. (laughs) She lived life to the fullest and by example. She did everything 110% to her school, her friends, her career. And it was so important for her to keep in touch with people. And she also, like Katie said, would be the last person to go to bed because she had to write her cards, she had to look at her magazines to keep up with what's going on in the world get all her things done right in her journal. She'd fall asleep on the floor with her bedroom light on, say, Jody, go to bed, turn off her light. And she'd be the first one up every morning with all full makeup, glamorous, out the door before any of us were up. So she fit everything in. It was so important for her to get together with her friends and keep in touch. She'd always say, you know, keep in touch, and she always wanted to meet new people. Later on, when I was married and living in the Twin Cities, when she'd come to visit, I always knew so you have to remember back then, we didn't have cell phones and you had to pay long distance. So anytime she came to stay with me, I had to carve out time for Jody to get out her big address book, get on my phone and call every friend that lived in that area code and leave a voice, <laughs> not a voicemail, a answering machine <laughs> message or keep in touch because keeping in touch was so important. Um, she also was in so many weddings. Um, I think she was, I wonder how many times she's been a bridesmaid. She was in my wedding. There is a funny picture of her over here in my wedding. So everyone was there. They don't remember my wedding. They remember Jody. Because <laughs> Jody got up on the table with the microphone, and she can't sing. We were just telling Amy this. She's like, she sang? She can't sing. No, she cannot sing. And she sang Leader of the Path. Which was something she had done in a high school like talent show, and she was up there with her mouth wide open, just doing the actions of vroom vroom, and that is what every single person remembers from my wedding, and the fact that she caught the bouquet and ripped the whole top of that dress off because she's so competitive. But she's just the the life of the party. Everyone felt like she was their best friend. She had that ability to make every single person feel like she was their best friend.
2: So often we get focused on the victimology of Jody and what we can learn and what it might do to help us get answers in the case, but it really came home, the loss, the promise and the loss of this young woman it was long gone 27 years ago. At the same time, we were standing in front of her TV station, as I mentioned, standing there, one of the things that stayed with me, it stuck with me, is at that same time, ten thirty in the morning, Jody should have been finishing the new newscast after having done the six a.m. newscast with uh, the weather guy Kevin and with Amy Coons producing. Instead, Amy had to go on the air. Jody was gone, abducted. It was uh, it was very sobering.
1: That's a word I've used in poignance that it's very sad and when you're physically there even a quarter century plus removed it's very real and being there in the day or two beforehand too brought a perspective of you know on the, on that sunday but as we were sort of touring the area and talking with people that we work with with fine jody mm-hmm. thinking about you know this was jody's last night and there's no indication to her that we know of that something is going to happen like that the next day and how fragile life is in that instant that people talk about to the point where it's a cliche but that it just happened in a moment and to think 27 years after that we're still looking for answers it's hard for me to process it's hard for me to wrap my mind around totally
2: And I get asked all the time, after all we've done, what do we think? Where is it going? Do you have hope? I couldn't keep going if I didn't have hope. I've seen it before, and I've mentioned Jacob Wetterling's case a number of times. I saw after 27 years, Jacob Wetterling was found. That's what keeps me going. The same time, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of humility, thinking, what have we missed? What clue is there when we were back at Jody's apartment? Looking at it, I think it hits me over and over is what a small complex, small setting that was for this crime to happen. And what is there something still there? That crime scene, minus the evidence, is still very much the way it was 27 years ago. Is there something here? Is there a hiding spot? Is there something that we just have missed? Others have missed. It nags at me and it's frustrating when I hop on a plane and leave the area to not have the answers.
1: I think it's hard not to have doubt. Every of these anniversaries that comes and goes is sort of that reminder of me of how much more difficult the case is going to be to solve. But you sort of have to physically force yourself to put the doubt out of the way because if everybody approached every cold case like this from the standpoint of, well, it's it can't be solved because it's been so long, then nothing would be solved. If it goes too much longer without anybody reminding the public this is a person who is missing and her case is still open then just by the nature of time people are going to forget it's just exactly. what happens as time goes on and beyond that we're researching and and taking in the tips that we get and not just this time of the year but all around the uh, the calendar and people have asked me in the last week in the media interviews is there anything new is there anything you can tell us any big developments and there really hasn't been a public development like her journal being mailed to the newspaper or our billboard being vandalized or something like that.
2: Or the birthday video being released. Yeah.
1: So, so that there hasn't been much publicly that way in the case, but we know, working in the, with the information that we get, that there's plenty of stuff that we're still discovering about Jody that we didn't know 27 years ago.
2: Exactly. And one of the reasons we created 27 years, 27 facts, is it's kind of a fluid document for us and for the public to keep updating it. And I recently updated the thing on the date on Jody's birthday party. We've often heard that it was Saturday, June 10th. But when we actually got a physical copy from one of her friends... Of the invitation, it was Friday, June 9th. It, yes, it spilled over into the 10th because it went early the next morning. But, you know, what little piece like that that might be significant might explain down the road where somebody was if they find somebody that's tied into the party. And, and we have no reason to believe anybody is, but you never know. And that's why we try so hard to make the timeline as accurate as we can. And Jody's helped us uh, going through the photos from Jody's album, her notes on the back when we wondered about certain dates. of, Things trying to reconcile when she had this position or went here or there. Jody often had the names and times right there in her own handwriting on the photos. So she's helping us wherever she is. She's still helping us, and we need help from other people who maybe have a photo with Jody's handwriting or a note or something. Anything someone might have tucked away in their memory, tucked away that they've saved. I hope they'll contact us because maybe that could be a piece, even in the timeline puzzle help us find out what happened to Jody.
1: Well, we're obviously missing pieces to the puzzle and it continues to amaze me what we don't know that we're still discovering that we didn't know. Uh, We've mentioned on a previous episode, there's a picture of a man in Jody's apartment that she took earlier that spring and we haven't been able to identify him conclusively yet. There was also an incident involving Jody's car in the Twin Cities area that we don't know is related to her disappearance sometime later. But the fact that we weren't aware of that, it was an event that people, you know, four or five people close to her back then still remember the, the details of.
2: Right. And to clarify, that was her previous car. It was Correct. her yeah. uh, Honda CRX. And it was, we don't know exactly when it happened, but it was, again, something to completely do, Jody, you need to know anything that's ever happened in her life. Relevant or irrelevant, everything needs to be part of her victimology, her background. And we wonder what else could be out there that we just don't know about.
1: But I am struck every year, too, um, that we do that event. that There are so many other cases that we want to give attention to and that deserve as much attention as Jody's gets. I'm aware of 10 or 12 cases just in that county in Iowa that are unsolved and deserve answers as well. As we've talked before on our missing persons uh, episode of the podcast, this is what we're able to do on a volunteer basis is continue to raise awareness for Jody and hopefully through Jody. Other cold cases, but I, I do have a problem focusing on other cases when this is still such a, a lingering question because we become so invested in this right.
2: Moment. And and working on Jody's case is so consuming. Is you know, as you said, we're all volunteers. We're at opposite ends of the country, and so we have logistical challenges, all kinds of things, and we're doing the best we can. And there is a special connection. We have all. I will say, I personally feel with Jody from my days in Minnesota. She's from Minnesota. She was to us who covered her initially, this was not a national story as it's so much become. This was a Minnesota journalist who went missing and is still missing. So that will always be a driving force for me she it's very relatable she's part of our extended news family so i feel an obligation but i've also covered many other cases as you have mentioned and one of the ones that stays with me that we've talked about briefly before is grace esquiville she disappeared before 40 years next june and her flyer has been up next to jody's in the mason city police department i would love to see the local media do more coverage on that because local is key and we talked about this at the most recent anniversary as much as we've had a lot of national attention And it does keep a big spotlight on Jody. I think the answers are most likely in northern Iowa or southern Minnesota. And that's why it's so important so that the local media there and in the Twin Cities continue to cover, continue to keep the pressure on to keep Jody visible. And make sure people know that her case is not solved. I've run into people who thought the case was solved. And because of that, the thing I've seen in other cases over the years, if that mentality is out there, people might feel it's not necessary to come forward because they don't realize that that the case hasn't been solved. So it's not solved. If you have information, as we've said so many times before, contact the Mason City Police or the Iowa DCI, or if you're not comfortable going to law enforcement, reach out to us. But as our billboard said, don't sit in silence. The time to talk is now,
1: and that's really why we do the event every year. To humanize Jody, first of all, that she's not just a missing person; she's not just a file. She's a person with with friends and family members who this still affects. You talk about that ambiguous loss all the time, but the primary motivation, the purpose of these events, is for that piece to come in because Jacob's case is a great example Mm -hmm. of. A case that didn't have that forensic link that solved the case like we see in these 40, 50-year-old cold cases solved with genealogy, which is amazing and great, and who knows where science may take us next, but there was no science in Jacob's case that was going to solve it and lead to the answers initially. It was no, that it information was, that came in and then- And then eventually- thing. And then eventually, right, yeah, right. they used the- As in Jody's case, they needed the ball to get rolling down the mountain. And once it does, it happens pretty quickly. But- we do the event every year to make sure that people in that area specifically know about Jody's case, the basic facts of it, and then we have this website of the most accurate information that we can compile that people can go to to learn more and then reach out to the police or reach out to us. And that reminder every year, that's an important reminder because who knows with the passage of time, one thing that 27 years does play in our favor a bit is the relationships change. You know, Ex-husbands, ex-boyfriends, uncles, whatever it might be. If that one person can be aware of of the facts of the case and start to think about whatever it might mean to them in their relationship, I think at this point, science and technology would be amazing. But I think at this point, that's how this one's going to get solved is someone stepping forward.
2: And Jacob's case had so much more going for it. I mean, you had two eyewitnesses, his brother and his friend who were with him and a lot of other things that. And they also had a a blogger, Joy Baker, who continued to keep it public. Uh, Patty Wetterling, Jacob's mother. It killed her to get out and do what she did, but she kept it visible. As I'm talking to you, I'm holding a stone that Patty gave me and it has hope on it. And uh, she gave it to me when I left Minnesota for California. I brought it with me to Mason City because I know that cases can get solved. I I never imagined the day I'd be covering Jacob's final chapter, and I hope to be covering Jody's final chapter. And as I said to someone recently, I really hope we can go from find Jody to found Jody.
1: And you don't have to think if you're listening out there that you're you're right in your assumption. We're used to that. There was a a name that was originated by us that we were researching over two or three months here in the last year that I was really excited about. It might it might prove to be something. Come to find out, it couldn't have been. That took two or three months. Twenty seven years later to confirm all the details and all the dates of, but. Mm-hmm. As frustrating as people might think that is, I view it as one step because you can check that box. You know, we know what it's not. You know, one more thing of what it might not be. And you and I always talk about that we're looking for rocks to turn over. We just need to be researching to the extent we can some tip, some thing. And so... Don't hesitate to come forward to us or the police. And one thing that the police have said about Jody recently is even if you've come forward to the police before, bring us the information again. Maybe, you know, a little bit more. Maybe as these things do in case files that are so huge, maybe it was overlooked, just as in Jacob's case. So even if you've brought it forward before, if you think it's being ignored, bring it forward to somebody else.
2: It's a very good point. And back to Jacob's case, I'll never forget the first time getting a call from a reporter I work with in Minnesota with the name Danny Heinrich. I said, who? I mean, for years, the focus had been on the neighbor, Rassier, who had turned out had nothing to do with Jacob's case. But I had not heard that name before. It turns out had been looked at somewhat early on. But in the end, it was not somebody that most of us had on the radar. And that some could be a parallel going on with Jody's case as well. Is there somebody still in that area who stayed in that area or knows something in that area who's been overlooked?
1: Which is something that the FBI the former retired FBI profiler that we had on the show, I think it was our most recent episode, she mentioned to us that it may well be somebody who is there because he's probably from there and he's probably comfortable with the fact that no one's arrested him for Jody for 27 years. That last episode that we released, I got a lot of positive feedback on and it makes me think that we should utilize whatever resources are available to us out there in this true crime community which is is grown into its own entity but that does include a lot of talented people a a lot of people with a lot of expertise and we we absolutely are looking to accept that expertise for our group and for jody's case
2: we have have been so fortunate julia calla who you mentioned i'd happen to hear her on a podcast hosted by another former fbi agent and she was amazing she was the lead investigator lead uh, profiler on the Golden State Killer case when i followed closely. I sent her a message. I said, if you ever have some time, can you talk? She said, sure, the next day. And we talked for two hours. She gave me so much insight and I found it, and I know when you talked to her, it's just kind of reinvigorating to hear from someone with that kind of expert who's particularly good in profiling and forensics to give us an outside look at the case wanting to help and we did an interview not too long ago with uh, did with ken means who's another cold case detective there are people out there who have a lot more expertise than we do who are on the outside who are interested and if there's someone listening to our podcast maybe a retired investigator who would like to reach out to us we'd love to talk with you because we don't have the answers and we are guilty of any if anyone of the same group over and over looking at the same things it helps to have fresh perspective
1: Absolutely. Uh, we should mention that the MCPD was invited to the event on the 27th and um, with their schedules and the obligations of their department, we weren't sure if anyone was going to be there until the morning of. And Terrence Brahaska, who is the investigator on Jody's case, he was there. He was initially reluctant to say anything, but he felt compelled to say a few things about Jody and her case. And a couple of things about his remarks stood out to me. He mentioned science and technology, which the department has mentioned before.
4: As my 12 or 13 years I've investigated this case, um, I, I, it's countless people that I've talked to, met, interviewed, um, and I want you to understand is that we focus on the new technology that comes about all the time. We keep trying to figure out a way to put this case into our technology that keeps advancing to hope one day find an answer to what happened. Um, Ultimately, what this is going to lead to is just what um, like the Find Jody team has been saying all along: is If you know something, say something. If you want to just give us a call with your thoughts, you're welcome to listen. you talk to me directly if you do make that call, and I will be happy to listen to you and answer what questions I can.
1: And that, I guess, is true in any case, that they're hoping that with the advancement of science, they can solve some older colder cases he mentioned something almost about the strategy of the investigation in terms of the more that we give out talking about the department the more mcpd gives out to the public the easier it is for the person responsible for jody to basically hide
4: some of the feedback that we've heard over the years is you know we don't ever get a result of what happened when i called in on cases like this is that we have to you have to understand as we're playing a small game with whoever did this. And the more information we tell, the information that person could be receiving to try to hide even further, if you understand what that means. So um, understand that we take this case as serious as, as, as any other case. And, and as me, I take it personal. I used to watch her as I grew up on TV. So um, being able to try to uh, find her um, has become part of my life.
2: I think he was partially trying to make the point that people get frustrated. They call in information or they may be the same thing. They share stuff with us that they don't hear back or don't get any elaboration on. I think he wants them to know that the last thing they want to do is to tip off Jody's abductor on anything. And I totally get that. I mean, covered this crime beat for enough years that there are things that only the killer knows and that sort of thing that you have to be very careful that you don't intentionally or inadvertently give out something. So I think that's part of the message he was trying to convey is that even if you may not hear back to not take it that way. And I think he wanted that audience, particularly in a a group of people that are Jody's friends, her extended her work family, to know that they're still working on it and that they're committed to it. He said something I had not heard before. He said he'd actually grown up watching Jody. It's the first time I've heard him. I don't know if you've heard that, but I had not heard that before. And I I think he just wanted to underscore to them that he was still working on, very much working on the case every day.
1: I thought the photo board that you put together for the 27th, which I'll keep in my office here because you couldn't take it back on the plane with you. I wish you could have it, but um, it'll be a good reminder for me. But I thought that humanized Jody very well because we had pictures that you found from from all the baby pictures all the way up through high school and and after. It was a good reminder to me. You know, this isn't just a, a true crime case file. This isn't just a podcast episode. This is somebody who had the hopes and dreams that we all have she had plans and she she had a direction and somebody cut that short and because it's been so long you mentioned the second blank board that's a good way to put that underscores not only how long it's been but how young she was at 27 i think about everything in my life that's happened from 27 onward that jody didn't get to experience
2: Exactly. All the things that are missed, but working on the photos when the first packet arrived from Jody's sister, I mean, I just sat there and cried because I've put together a lot of photo boards for my children, for weddings, that sort of thing, high school graduations that we all do. And I was doing the equivalent of that for someone I've never met who I was getting to know her in death. And it was sad. It, a couple of the photos looked a lot like my daughter did when she was young, the platinum blonde. And that first baby picture hit me hard. Uh, and I and I when I see the saw the pictures with her mom, I had gotten to know her mom somewhat before she passed away. And I promised her mom I would stay on the case, and I never was able to help get answers before she died. It was hard. I would just sit there and and then try to pick you know which photos to use, how many can you can you fit on the board, and so I, it was a very personal experience. And at times, and you and I have talked about this. Even felt kind of invasive reading Jody's notes. At the same time, the notes helped me get to know Jody better. And as I said, it's helped us with the timeline. And it would be incredible if one of those timeline date things was significant in helping to get answers.
1: People might ask, well, who are you talking to right now? Who do you want to come forward and say something? And I would say, specifically in that area in North Iowa, did you have any interactions with Jody in the weeks or months before she disappeared? Even knowing that you saw her and met her at a place two and a half weeks before all this happened. You might see that as totally unrelated, but in building the timeline, that could be something we're not aware of. That could easily be something oh, we're not totally. aware of.
2: Totally, because there's certain things... Jody was very visible in the community, as I mentioned the other day. She'd often go to Blimpys or she would get her salad at Perkins. That was very common for her after she was done with the new newscast. She would have her hair done probably once a month or so. I believe that was in Clear Lake. You talk with her hairdresser. She was at the Y. She was golfing. She was so out and about even more so than perhaps your average person in her position. So a lot of people had a lot of connecting with Jody. If any of them took a picture along the lines, I know they weren't doing that the way we do now with our selfies, with our phones. But if somebody had something at an event, we have no photos from the last event she attended, the golf uh, fundraiser at the Mason City Country Club. Mm-hmm. Anybody has anything from that event, we would love to see them.
1: Yeah, um, and otherwise, if there's... Uh, you know, a person in your life who's forty-five to seventy years old, about, and talks about Jody inordinately in a way that makes you kind of feel strange. Uh, an ex, a relative, whoever it might be, a former coworker, whoever it might be. We and the police would like to know that information because after twenty-seven years, don't discount your your thoughts and your own feelings. It's been a long time. This isn't something that's fresh that you might. Be overreacting to. I would say definitely make sure somebody, be it us or the police, whoever, somebody knows about your suspicions and your feelings.
2: Exactly, and part of the the other part of doing the photo board besides capturing Jody's life and honoring her is also I hope that that maybe reaches somebody that somebody relates who's looking at one of those photos and looking at Jody with her mom or her sister, her niece Kristen. That maybe that might think put them in the position of what if it were your sister? What if it were your niece? And I hope that maybe some of those photos reach some of those people that way as well. You know, this past couple of months, we've been very consumed with preparing for the very significant anniversary. And we will continue to follow up on some things that came out of that. And we're so grateful for... One of the things that did strike me beyond the people we who knew Jody who showed up for the event, there were several people who came a long distance. Uh, a couple of the reporters had worked at Jody's station, KGAN, Eva Anderson, and then and Dion Broxton. Dion's now in St. Louis. He felt connected to Jody. Uh, one of the women he worked with was the anchor, Karen Fuller, who trained Jody. Uh, Eva Anderson now works up at CARES. She asked to cover the story on her day off. Other people came from distances to be apart. So I think it just shows you how much she has touched the lives of so many people, and we're so grateful for the people who were able to be there that day as well.
1: In terms of everybody who follows along with the case and reads up on the website, we keep an eye on all the discussion on on the Reddit boards and the forum at findjody.com that you can contribute thoughts and theories to. The main message that we get out with the anniversary every year is if you know something or think you know something, or don't even think you know something, but might say something, tell the police, tell us. That is the... it, It was very... Uh, emotional for me to be there with people who knew Jody, and you can just see through them the emotion that that they're feeling but the practical reason for us doing that every year is to make sure that as many people as possible know the facts and know the locations and the dates and things like that in the hopes that they might connect something so please if you do know something or think you might tell the police reach out to us just make sure that somebody knows
2: as we said don't sit in silence the time to talk is now
1: Find Jody is a nonprofit run by volunteers with a mission of keeping Jody's unsolved case in the spotlight. Anyone with information about Jody's case can reach out to the Mason City Police Department. Information can also be provided to the Iowa Department of Criminal Investigations. You can also contact Find Jody anonymously if you prefer. Don't sit in silence. The time to talk is now. For the entire Finds Jody team, I'm Scott Fuller. Thank you for listening.